Okay. We've been battling sickness in our house, so I've got a little bit of a cold. Anybody else, your kid likes to share? Your kid or your husband like to share germs? Isn't it funny? Sometimes, um, like, if your husband is sick and he wants to lean in for a kiss, and you're like, oh, no, not today, not today. Mm -mm. <laughs> Anyways. I'm really excited about this word. I feel like God has really just stirred my heart towards it and just about it. And so I'm excited to share with you this morning. So we're just going to dive into it. You know, we've been, this whole season, we've been talking about courage. And so today I'm going to talk to you about waiting. And you're all like, oh, I'm so glad I came today. Anybody like to wait? Anybody here, you raise your hand, you're like, yeah, I love waiting. Waiting is so fun. I hate waiting. I hate it. But how many of you know that waiting is a part of life? Like, we're just throughout life, you're going to have to wait on things. It may be, you know, you're just waiting in line at the grocery store, and there's all these people in line, and there's only one checker, and there's like 50 people in line, and you're sitting there like, okay, come on, waiting. Maybe you're waiting for something you know, at the DMV. <laughs> what is it about the DMV? Nobody likes the DMV. <laughs> You're waiting. Waiting is no fun. I was going to say waiting stinks, but not say stinks. It just is not fun. Um, or maybe you're waiting on something more serious than the DMV or just a line at the grocery store. Maybe there's something that you've been believing God for and you've been asking God for and you're waiting and you're like, God, when is this going to happen? When is this going to come through? You're waiting. How many of you know that it takes courage to wait on God? We need courage in our waiting. You know, I was thinking back to when I was a kid. And when you're waiting for Christmas morning. And, you know, if you have kids or maybe some of you are still like this, you just get super pumped about Christmas morning and about opening gifts. But I can remember as a kid, you know, it's the week up of Christmas and you're, you're starting to see presents under the tree or I don't know, Santa doesn't come until Christmas Eve, so maybe you shouldn't have presents under the tree before then. But as you get a little bit older, the presents start to come under the tree a little earlier. So you start to see the presents come under the tree and you're, you're, so excited about what's wrapped up in those gifts and you're thinking you can't wait and it's like the days seem like months and it's just this drawn out process and you're like when is it going to be Christmas already and you know you get you go through the week and you finally get to Christmas Eve and you know in my family we I don't know sometimes people open gifts on Christmas Eve or you are given you know if it's Christmas pajamas or the Christmas movie, then you can open that on Christmas Eve. But in my house, we didn't open anything on Christmas Eve. And we're like, come on, what a rip. We're like hearing about everybody else that gets to open things on Christmas Eve. And, you know, we're just having to wait. No, you got to wait until Christmas. And so, you know, you go to sleep. Finally, your parents are like, go to sleep, got to go. And you're trying desperately to fall asleep, but you can't because you're so excited about what's under the tree and about what the gifts are. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you're still like this or your kids are like this and they're like knocking on your door like, mom, are you still wrapping presents? And you're like, oh my gosh, get to bed. And then finally Christmas morning comes and you know, my brothers and I, we would wake up at like 
six in the morning. And right, and you're just like, oh, my kids do that too. We'd wake up at like six in the morning and we would go in mom and dad's room and be like, mom and dad, it's Christmas, it's time to open presents. And we always would hear the same thing, not yet, not yet. We're like, oh, I just waited all night long to open presents. And, you know, and it's like, not yet, not yet. And, you know, in our house, we had to, my parents would send us to the kitchen. They said, go make, when we got to a certain age, go make the coffee and go make the tea. And we're like, okay, run to the kitchen. And you're making the tea and you're making the coffee. And this is back in the day when there was no Keurig. And so the coffee took forever to make, and you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, my gosh. When is this coffee going to get made so we can open our presents? And you got to wait for the, tea, the water to boil for the tea, and you got to wait for the bag to steep and all this stuff. And, you know, we're probably going to take some, present, some pictures that morning, so, you know, we got to wait for mom to go to the bathroom and brush her hair and at least put on a little bit of makeup so she's presentable for pictures. And all the while, we're sitting there in front of the tree just waiting. And we're like, come on. Let's open the presents. And then finally, you get the coffee, you get the tea, the makeup's on, the hair's brushed, and you sit down, and we're like, okay, it's time to open presents. Not yet. We gotta read the Christmas story. You're like, ugh, I don't wanna read the Christmas story. And we had a, a big Bible. It was the Schreiber Family Bible, and it only came out on Christmas, but it's this big, huge, white Bible. Does anybody have a family Bible? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. So we'd read from it and read the Christmas story. And we're like, okay, the story's over. Time to open presents. Not yet. we got to pray now. Come on. It's just this process of waiting, you know, and we're going crazy. And then finally, the time comes where you can open the presents and see what Santa brought you. And it's this whole process of waiting. And it's not fun. It's hard to wait. It takes courage to walk out this process of waiting. And you know, sometimes when we've been waiting for something for a really long time, some of you are in here this morning and, and there have been things that, that you've been believing God for and you've been asking, you've been waiting for an answer and you have been waiting for a very long time. And how many of you know that and when you've been waiting for a very long time, it's so easy to allow fear to get inside your head and it's easy to allow doubt to creep in and you start to not believe what God promised you and you start to worry and get anxious and all these emotions start to well up but you know what I love what Pastor Ann always says we were not created to be women who shrink back and succumb to these kinds of emotions. We're created to be women who rise up in courage and that we have confidence in our God. We're women. We were created to be women who rise up and we fight back against these kinds of emotions with the courage that God has given us. So today I want to talk to you about courage in your waiting. We've got to equip ourselves with courage so that we can walk out this process with confidence in our God. How many of you could raise your hands this morning and you could say, I, you don't have to if you don't want to, but you can. I'm waiting on God for something. I'm waiting. I'm asking. Some of you are like half raised. If you're not waiting on, some, on, on God for something in this particular moment, you know someone who is. And so my prayer 
today is just to give us some, some practical, tangible tools that we can equip ourselves to walk out this process. And like I said, again, maybe you don't find yourself here today in the waiting process, but you know someone who does. And so I'm hoping that, that this message can encourage you if you are in this process or if you know someone else who is. So we're going to look at the story of Hannah. And the story of Hannah starts out in 1 Samuel chapter 1. And I'm going to skip around a little bit in the story. If you want to go um, back home today and, and read the full story, I think that would be amazing because I'm not going to get into every little detail of her story. I'm going to just skip around a bit. But um, I'm going to start reading in verse 4. But let me just kind of give you a little bit of an idea of what's happening. So the story of Hannah starts out where... Um, Hannah and her husband, Elkanah, and his other wife, Peninnah, they were traveling to the tabernacle. They did this once a year where they would travel to the tabernacle to worship God and to bring sacrifices. Now, Peninnah had multiple children, but Hannah didn't have any. So we're going to pick up in verse 4 of 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival, who was Peninnah, also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year after year when she went up to the house of the Lord, that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? Oh, Elkanah, he has no clue. She's like, no, I want a kid. You're not, I love you, but no, I want a kid. We're going to talk about three things today, three practical things to give us courage in our waiting. The first thing that I want to talk to you about is the presence of God. And I love our worship this morning because it's so framed what I really wanted to talk about. And I just love how God does that because, you know, Pastor Aaron, you know, we didn't have any conversation about what I was going to talk about. But I just love how Holy Spirit works things out like that. And so we're going to talk about the presence of God for a moment. And in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9, in the message translation, it says this. So Hannah ate. This is after we're talking about how she just had that conversation with her husband. So it goes on to say, Hannah ate. Then she pulled herself together. She slipped away quietly and entered the sanctuary where the presence of God was housed. Hannah positioned herself in the presence of God. You know, I love the presence of God. It is such a game changer. You know, if you've been, if you've been walking with God for a while, you, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're, you're familiar with his presence. But maybe some of you are in here this morning and, you know, the presence of God is something that's not very familiar to you. It's something that maybe you're not used to. Well, we're going to talk about it today. And I want to encourage you. It is such a game changer there is no substitute for the presence of God. How often when we're going through things, when we're in our waiting and we're, 
you know, we're just crying out and we're like, when is this going to happen? When is this going to happen? How often do we want to run to a friend or run to your spouse or, you know, run anywhere else to try to get some comfort when the comfort that we're seeking and the comfort that we're needing is only going to be found in the presence of God. It's only going to be found there. The presence of God, it refreshes us. And it empowers us. It empowers you like nothing else on the planet. There's, you know, we, we run everywhere to different places seeking for this one thing that can be found if we would just stop and get ourselves in the presence of God. I love what Psalm 1611 says. And I'm going to refer to this a little bit throughout the message. It's a beautiful scripture. It says, you show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence is fullness of joy. I don't know what you're facing today. You know, I don't know what that thing is that you've been going through, that thing that you're waiting on. I don't know what it is. But the greatest amount of joy that can be found this side of eternity is found in the presence of God. There is no substitute. There is no other place to go to seek to get that joy. It's the kind of joy that can't be found anywhere else. It's the kind of joy that I couldn't even put words around to describe to you, but it is found in his presence. So I want to ask you today, how much time are you spending in the presence of God? How much time are you giving to just allow his spirit to just pour over you? Because let me tell you, there is nothing like it. You know, I was driving here this morning, and I'm just praying, okay, God, I believe that you've, you've placed this message in my heart. Father, there are still some things that I'm uncertain about it. But, God, I just come before your presence, and I just ask that your presence would fill me with peace that your presence would fill me with confidence, that your presence would erase fear, that your presence would erase worry and doubt and insecurity. And you know what? I'm sitting in my car driving, and I'm just, like, bawling my eyes out. And, you know, people are probably looking at me like I'm crazy. I mean, well, I had big sunglasses on, so that helped. And then I was thinking, I'm like, oh, good thing that I wore waterproof mascara today because I'm just bawling because that's what the presence of God does to you. And can I just tell you that when I got here this morning, when I left my house, I was confident in the word that God had, had given to me, but there were still some things I was trying to work out. And so as I prayed and as I just got in his presence and asked him to fill me, by the time I arrived here, I was filled with peace, and I was filled with excitement and joy to bring this message today. That is what the presence of God does for us. So how often are you in the presence of God? Let's make it part of our daily lives. Let's make it part of our lifestyle to be in his presence. Amen? Amen. Let's go on to the second point. The second point, the second thing that will bring us courage in our waiting is prayer. And, you know, we've, here at the bridge, we've been in a series called Talk to Me, and it's just been a really amazing series. If you've missed any of it, you can go on our website and you can listen to podcasts and stuff. As I was preparing this message, I re-listened to a few of them, and I was just, just really encouraged. So I would encourage you to do that, Pastor Gary 
has been bringing some amazing messages on prayer. But I want to read to you in 1 Samuel chapter 1, continuing on in our story, verses 10 and 11. It says, And she, Hannah, was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord with, and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. There's a little bit more to this story, and like I said, you can go back and you can read the rest of it. But basically, Hannah's in the temple, and she is just beside herself. It's this thing, her desire for a son that she's been carrying with her. She's been waiting for this son. And so she's in the temple, and she's praying. She's pouring out her heart to God. Because if you go back and read, you'll see she's literally just, I mean, completely undignified, just pouring out her soul and pouring out her spirit to the point where Eli, who was the priest, saw her and thought that she was drunk because she was so beside herself and just praying with everything she had in her. And so Eli comes to her and he says, woman, control yourself. And she's, you know, explains to him everything that had been going on. And then let's pick up in 1 Samuel 17, or Verse, chapter 1, 17. Then Eli answered and said to her, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition, which you have asked of him. And she said, Let your maidservant find favor in your, start, your sight. And here's the part I want us to really focus on. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. Her face was no longer sad. In other translations, it says that her face was radiant or that her countenance had changed. That the moment that she had stepped up from praying, from pouring her heart out before God, that her countenance had changed. Prayer changes us. Man, it gives us faith. It builds our faith. It gives us strength. The Bible says that Hannah was in bitterness of soul. She was absolutely heartbroken. Maybe some of you are in here today and you're absolutely heartbroken over something that you have been waiting for. She was possibly to the point where maybe she was even physically sick. I mean, go back and read the story. I mean, this woman was full on, just sprawled out, pouring her heart out to God. Imagine a heartbroken girl who's just been dumped by the love of her life. And, you know, try to picture this in your head with me. She's just a mess. She's probably face, like, sunken in from not having eaten because she's so heartbroken. And hair is all crazy up in, like, that messy bun. And she's got, like, mascara just pouring down her face because she's so heartbroken. She's disheveled. It's kind of what I imagine with Hannah. I know that with Hannah, this is, it's more serious. But, you know, if you've ever been heartbroken by a boy dumping you, then you know what I'm talking about. Here's the amazing thing about prayer. When we bring our requests before God the way that Hannah did, Hannah was not ashamed to 
tell God what she needed, to ask God what she needed. She wasn't ashamed to do that, and sometimes we are. Sometimes we don't want to bother God, or sometimes we just feel like, I've been waiting for this so long already, God, I don't know, are, are you even listening? But when we bring our requests before God, the way that Hannah did, the burden is no longer ours to carry. And I think that that is why her countenance had changed. I think that's why her face was no longer sad because she laid her requests at the feet of God. And she said, God, I cannot carry this anymore. I lay this at your feet. I can't do this on my own. So God, I'm giving this to you. And I think that when she did that, she had confidence that God heard her. Listen, you have faith in your God. He hears you. He hears you. Lay those requests at his feet. Stand up. Be on about your business and expect that you're going to see the breakthrough that you're waiting for. Allow your countenance to change. Put your faith in God. Pray. I love what Mark eleven twenty four 24 says. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. These are the words of Jesus. It's the very breath of Jesus. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When we pray, we're laying our requests before God. We're laying them down not to be picked back up again. Because that's not trust and that's not faith. When we pray to God, we come to him in faith. And we say, okay, God, I cannot carry this any longer. This is a burden. This is weighing me down. This is affecting my relationships. This is affecting my health. So we bring those requests. And we lay them down before God. Not to be picked back up. Believe that you receive them and you will. That is what the word of God says. Communication with God, prayer with God is so vital to our lives. It connects us to the one who holds the answers that we've been waiting for. It is our direct line to him. Man, what a gift prayer is. What a gift it is. Communication with our God. Talking with God, having an exchange, what an amazing gift for us to be connected with the one who holds those answers that we're searching for. Amazing. Prayer changes our countenance, changes our appearance. I can remember growing up in a church that I grew up with and grew up in, and there is a, an older couple in our church, and they were known to everyone as Grandma and Grandpa. It was Grandma Virginia and Grandpa Jerry, and I love these people with all of my heart. They're just beautiful people, and I can remember Grandma Virginia telling a story one day about her husband, and he had a prayer room at his house, and I think it was just a, a study or a um, an office type thing, but he deemed it his prayer room. 
And he would go in there and he would just spend hours in there praying. I can remember he always walked around with a little notebook in his back pocket. And every time I would see him, he would say, Ashley, what can I pray for you today? And he would literally pull out his notebook with his pen and he'd write down what I was praying for. And he'd say, okay, I'm praying for you. And you know what? I know that he was. It's amazing. And so Grandma Virginia is telling this story one day about him coming out of his prayer room. And she had just got home with groceries or something like that. And she she looked at him and he just said, oh, I just had the most amazing time in prayer. And she said, there was just something different about him. I could see. I knew that he had been praying. I knew that he had been in the presence of God. I knew that he had been in there praying because he just looked different. Prayer brings courage to your life. It gives you a different appearance. It gives you a different set of eyes to see your circumstances with. So let me ask you, are you praying? Are you giving God the opportunity to get involved in your situation? Listen, he so wants to be involved in your life. How amazing is that, that we serve a God who so desperately wants to be involved in every single aspect of our lives, in every area. He wants us to include him. So are you including him? Or are you just trying to do it all on your own? Now listen, I'm not asking you these questions to make you feel bad because if I'm being honest in answering these questions, my answer would probably be, no, I'm probably not praying as often as I should. So there's no guilt here. This is, this is just, I just want to get us thinking. I want to encourage us. So, so don't feel bad if, if the answer to these questions is, no, I'm not. I'm actually just I'm trying to work this out on my own. Don't feel bad about it. You just go home and you start praying and you start asking God for the things that you need. Amen? Let's read in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. It says, then they rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So it came to pass in the process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked for him from the Lord. The last thing that I want to talk to you about today, the last tool that brings us courage in our waiting is praise. So we've talked about the presence of God. We've talked about prayer. We're going to talk about praise. We need to learn a posture of praise in our lives. And what I mean by that is a lifestyle of praise that where every day, no matter what the circumstances, no matter if we're still in the waiting or if we've received what we've been asking God, no matter what, that we have an attitude of praise and gratitude towards our God. Hannah named her son Samuel which means asked of the Lord. And, you know, I love that that she named him that because it's almost like she was giving him praise. Giving God praise in the name that she chose for her son. 
praise fills us with hope. It fills us with that confident expectation that God's going to do what we're asking him to do. When we magnify God over our circumstances, it lifts our eyes and fixes our gaze on the one who gives us peace, on the one who, who brings us comfort. Praise magnifies God and puts him in the place in our lives that he belongs. Praise, it takes our focus off of the circumstances, those things that we're waiting on, and it fixes our gaze on the one that we can rest in. You know, I don't, I don't know about you, but, you know, there's things that, that I'm waiting on God for. There's things that I'm believing God for. But I don't want to walk out this process of waiting, just worrying. I don't want to walk out the process of waiting with fear and with doubt and with insecurity and all those other emotions. I want to be able to walk out the process of waiting with confidence in my God. Man, worry and doubt and all those things, they, they ruin, they ruin us. And they keep our eyes fixed on that thing that God has not yet done yet, has not yet done. Rather than just fixed on him and his goodness and his faithfulness. We've got to learn to praise God through our circumstances, to give him praise, bring him praise. Listen, instead of worry, praise. Instead of fear, praise. Instead of doubt, praise. Instead of your insecurities, praise him. He is good. He is worthy to be praised. Amen? Listen. The enemy cannot stand in the midst of a praising people. Praise silences the voice of the enemy. It silences his voice. Yesterday, as I was preparing this message, I really, it's like I said before, I believed that this is a word that God had, had placed in my heart. And it was, it was in my heart, but I, I had to get it in my head. It was in my heart, but I needed to get it in my notes. And man, I was talking to my husband about this this morning. I'm telling, I was like, babe, I just, I was struggling to write this message. Well, he knows he was there. But I just really struggled when I was writing this. And, you know, finally around 8 o'clock at night, I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, God, I've got to speak this message tomorrow and it's not done. So you're going to have to get involved here, do something. And, you know, I felt, I felt such opposition when I was writing this message and just preparing it. And I felt such a you know, just a wall that I kept running into. And, and I was stuck on this last point, and I'm just like, I had to stop. And I'm like, God, I believe that you put this message in my heart. I believe that you've equipped me to speak this message. But God, I'm stuck. And you know, I just felt him whisper ever so gently, Ashley, do you think that the enemy wants you talking about 
getting in my presence? Do you think that the enemy wants you talking about prayer? Do you think that the enemy wants you speaking about praise? No. These are our greatest weapons against the enemy. The presence of God, prayer, praise. So I started praising God. And I'm like, God, I praise you for what you're going to do tomorrow. I praise you for the words that you're going to put in my mouth, Lord. And I praise you for all the women that are going to be here tomorrow and are going to be affected by this message, Lord. And I, pray, I praise you, God, for the families that this message is going to encourage and start giving him praise. And you know what happened? That voice, that opposition that I was feeling was silenced. Had my message been finished yet? No. But it got finished. We've got to be women who live a lifestyle of praise. And we bring praise to our God. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter if we've seen our breakthrough yet, we praise God in advance for that breakthrough. Because he is worthy of praise. He is worthy of praise. Listen. If you want to silence the voice of the enemy in your life, then you start praising your God. You start praising your God. God, my marriage is broken. My marriage is falling apart. But I praise you because you are a redeemer and you are a restorer of all good things. Father, I got a report from the doctor and my health is not good. But I praise you because you are the healer. And by your stripes, I'm healed. Father, what is it? Start praising him. Psalm 111, verse 1 through 4 says, Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I will praise and give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the counsel of the upright and in the congregation. The works of the Lord are great, sought out by all those who have delight in them. His work is honorable and glorious. His righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious, merciful, and full of loving compassion. I love the way the message translation puts this same verse. Praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. The works of the Lord are great, studied by all who have pleasure in them. His work is honorable and glorious, and his righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonderful works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. We need to praise our God. Praise him through the waiting. Praise him through the hurting. Praise him through the fear, through the doubt through the insecurity, praise him through those lies that the enemy wants to whisper to try to discourage you. Praise our God. Are you praising God for what you're expecting him to do? Or are you waiting on him to come through first? We're going to close in just a moment, but I just, I want to take a moment in this atmosphere while we're here to do these three things right now. 
We're going to get in his presence. And then I'm going to pray over you. And then we're going to praise God. We're going to praise him for what it is that we're expecting him to do. I referenced earlier when I was talking about the presence of God, I referenced the verse Psalm, in Psalms 1611. And I just want to read it to you again. And then we're going to sing a song. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. I've asked Aaron to to just sing this song, and some of you may know it. We're going to have the words up on the screen for you. But it's an old song. I grew up in church, so it's just a song that I can remember singing. And it's just a beautiful song. It's, the words are simple. But I just want us to just spend a moment in his presence. Let's rest in his presence. Remember, there is no substitute for the presence of God. There is nothing that can fulfill us like the presence of God. Nothing that can strengthen us and encourage us and lift our eyes and heal our hearts like the presence of God. Amen.
gonna pray. And whatever, whatever it is that you've been waiting on, I know I'm very aware that there are people in this room who are waiting on some very serious things. And whether you feel like the thing that you're waiting on is serious or, or maybe it seems small, it doesn't matter to God. He still wants you to tell him about it. He still wants to hear about it. He still wants to get involved. No matter how big it is, no matter how small it is. And you know, like I said earlier, maybe you're in here and, and you say, you know what, there, I'm actually good at the moment. There's not really much that I'm waiting on. You probably know someone who is. And if you don't, well, there's women in this room who are. So let's pray. Let's lift our requests to God. Let's make them known to him. And then we're gonna give him praise for answering our prayers, amen. Father God, I thank you that your presence is in this place, God. I thank you that there is nothing greater than your presence. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that your presence brings us strength, God, and that it gives us confident and that confidence and that it gives us hope, Lord. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are very much aware of every single thing, every need that is represented in this room, God. I thank you that your ears are turned towards us, God, that your heart is open towards us, Father. So right now, God, we lay our requests before you, God. We lay them at your feet, Lord Jesus. God, and we are confident that as we declare these requests before you, God, that you are faithful, that you are going to meet these needs, God. We don't know when, but we know, God, that you are faithful. Come on, why don't you start praying out whatever that thing is that you're praying for, whatever you're believing for, whatever you're waiting on God for, let him know about it. He wants to get involved. He wants to be involved. God, I pray for healing in this place, God. I pray for marriages that are broken, Father. I thank you that you are a redeemer and that you are a restorer, Father. And I pray that you bring health in this place, God, that you bring provision, Father, that where there is lack, Father, that you would provide in Jesus' name, that where hearts are broken, Father, that you would bring restoration, God. We thank you, Jesus. Jesus. Listen, some of you might still be hearing that voice of the enemy. You might still be hearing those lies right now. So what we're going to do is we're going to praise our God. And listen, this might be new for you, so I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes the enemy will make you feel uncomfortable to distract you from what it is that God wants you to do. So I wanna encourage you this morning, let's praise our God. Let's silence that doubt. Let's silence that fear. Let's silence those lies that the enemy might be whispering, amen. We're gonna shout praise to our God. Begin to praise him. Begin to praise him for all that he's doing. Begin to thank him for healing your marriage, for healing your body, for providing for you. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are restored, God. We give you praise. You are worthy of praise, God. You are worthy, Jesus. You are worthy of praise, Father, and we give it to you, God. All glory and honor is yours, Lord God. We worship you. 